0: Reading the Bible, so good, right? So good. I love to study the Bible, and sometimes I just like reading the scripture for the sake of reading them, and you know if you do either end or both, you should have a multitude of versions. you know there are some some Bibles that are really good as study Bibles that can help you. Uh, Go from subject matter to subject matter and follow streams throughout it. And then there are other Bibles. You just want to sit back and let the peace of the Lord, you know, settle on you and just read. You know, like, uh, what's that one? You read The Passion? Is that, is that a reader? Is that something you like to kick back and read? You know, The Passion Bible is one. So, you know, don't be afraid to explore. Some of the different versions that are coming out, and uh, it's really good stuff. The Word of God, the Bible, the Word of God. Did you catch that? The Word of God. Wow, wow. You know, we say that all the time like it's some light thing. we have been reading the Word today? What word? The Word of God, you know, the Word of God. The word of God, Billy. Huh? Is that amazing? That we have the word of God? Whew. Wow. Yeah, we believe that the Bible is the word of God, and his word states that the scriptures provide us with some very powerful provisions for our lives. Listen to this, Second Peter 1, 3 and 4. His divine power has granted to us his divine power has granted to us all things, everyone say all things, all. all things, all right, that pertain to life and godliness. Wow. The Word of God. All things. Start connecting the dots, right? Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of a Sunday morning church service. What? And then what it says? You may be partakers of the divine nature. Wow. It's better than a Sunday morning service, right? Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Don't you think that's amazing? Hmm? Listen, listen to the descriptive language used. Glory. Right? Glory. Excellence. Precious. It's precious, too. I can't help it. I'm sorry. I've watched that movie 17 times. Everything's precious. (laughs) Oh, you got me going now. (laughs) Look out, Mindy. (laughs) Very great. Very great. All leading up to an apprehension of the divine nature that somehow we can end up Thinking, acting, loving, and being to the world around us as Jesus was to the world around him. But did you catch the tension at the end of those verses? A tension that Jesus did not have to deal with. He never had to deal with the corruption, with the corruption of sinful desire. But we do. And he understands that. Listen to this. Hebrews four fourteen through 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Yet... Without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we live in this tension between the divine and the natural. The spirit and the flesh. A desire for heaven's best while at the same time dealing with our own fleshly desires. And if it were not for the revealed word of God, we would blur the tension line to the point of every man doing what seemed right in his own heart, rather than living by the word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. On one side of the tension line, we see God, and this is a great Bible study to take How he reveals himself to humanity by unveiling his character through the use of his name. Search out all the names of God throughout the scriptures and their various meanings in relationship to humanity. We can find him as creator God. In the beginning, God. Displaying his majesty, his awesome power, his wonderful, wondrous diversity of his creativity. You'll see him as a caring God, relating to and embracing that which he has created. And of course, you'll discover that he has shown himself to be Father God, a father who can provide answers for all of the situations and circumstances that we find our often vulnerable lives entangled in. Remember, revealed by his name, he is our provider, our healer, our righteousness, our banner, and he is always present as the great I am. Then, of course, on the other side of this tension, when we do catch a glimpse of God's glory and find ourselves reflected in the brilliance of who he is, we often find ourselves feeling unclean, unworthy, like a sinner, lost, anything but acceptable to one who is so holy. And the Bible confirms this response to be truth. Listen, in Romans alone, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.12, all have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Not even one. Exclude yourself from thinking that you're an exception to the rule. Romans 3.10, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. In light of this tension, this seeming dichotomy of nature and tendency, I want to ask God, who are you looking for? Who exactly is a glorious, all-powerful, majestic, holy God looking for? Why would he reveal his word to us? Certainly, this is a question that man has pondered through the ages. Psalms 8, verses 1 through 4. David says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. to the beginning, Genesis, the book of beginnings. And if you've been with me any amount of time, you may have noticed that I will often bring us back to Genesis in forming the basis of a particular thought. And I'll also quite often mention the principle of first reference. The law of first reference is a traditional and often stated rule of hermeneutics, which is the Biblical hermeneutics refers to methods of interpreting what the Bible says. This is the law of first reference. It states that whenever, wherever possible, a scriptural concept is to be considered defined by its first use in the Bible. The first time it's mentioned It defines its meaning throughout all of the rest of the word of God. In other words, God is consistent in how and why he relates to humanity. And his first response to man's activity is never accidental or strictly emotional. God doesn't wig out, you know. They are always purposeful revelatory and effective in their impact upon humanity. I do this to provide you with a tool that will help you to search the scriptures, to make your Bible reading more than just reading a book, but a seeking out of the truth and revelation of the person of Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Now, I love this about God's Word. We read these exact verses. Last week, we read them. And they totally applied to a whole different subject matter. You know why? Because his word is the living word. It's almost like you could open the Bible and ask God a question, and he'll answer it. You've done that, huh? Jay? Done that? Go ahead. Wow. Wow. You didn't you didn't do that? I was up like a hundred and fifty bucks for an hour and then an hour later I lost everything. I was disgusted with myself. Went back to the hotel <laughs> or the Gideon flying. Love the Gideons. Isn't that the truth? Anyone ever had the word of God jump in your face? (laughs) Knock you down, roll you around a little bit. (laughs) Mm, The living word, it's vibrant and applicable to life itself. To life itself, not just to subject matter. It's applicable to the life you are living So Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to be using a couple of different versions. This particular reading will be out of the Message Bible. This says Genesis 2, beginning in verse 4. This is the story of how it all started, of heaven and earth when they were created. At the time God made earth and heaven, before any grasses or shrubs had sprouted from the ground, God hadn't yet sent rain on earth, nor was there anyone around to work the ground. There was no man to till the ground. Genesis 2, 7 through 9, God formed man out of the dirt from the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. The man came alive, a living soul. Then God planted a garden in Eden in the east. He put man he had just made in it. God made all kinds of trees grow from the ground, trees beautiful to look at and good to eat. The tree of life was in the middle of the garden, also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis 2:15 through 25, God took the man and set him down in the Garden of Eden to work the ground and to keep it in order. God commanded the man, you can eat from any tree in the garden except from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. The moment you eat from it, from that tree, you're dead. It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll I'll make him a helper, God said, a companion. So God formed from the dirt of the ground all the animals of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. The man named the cattle, named the birds of the air, named the wild animals. But he didn't find a suitable companion. God put the man into a deep sleep. And as he slept, he removed one of his ribs and replaced it with flesh. God then used the rib that he had taken from the man to make woman and presented her to the man. The man said, finally, finally, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, name her a woman, for she was made from man. Therefore, a man leaves his father and mother and embraces his wife. They become one flesh. The two of them, the man and his wife, were naked, but they felt no shame. They felt no shame. How big is that? No burden of guilt, no sense of failure, no questioning on the inside, did I do it right, did I do it wrong? Was that my fault, am I bad, am I lovable? We all know the questions that torment our minds and bind up our hearts, rob our joy and diminish our capacity to love, we no longer live with no shame. Do we? Innocence has been stolen from the hearts of men by the deceiver. Jesus states this clearly in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so our spiritual condition, our emotional condition, our physical and psychological condition have all changed, and we know it as surely as Adam and Eve knew it, and we will do everything we can think of to try and keep from being exposed. Denial, blame placing, anger, hiding, manipulation, rebellion are all power in the course. Hmm? Genesis 3 6 through 8. Again, the message Bible. When the woman saw that the tree tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She saw that the tree looked like good eating and realized what she would get out of it. She'd know everything. She took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband, and he ate. Immediately, the two of them did see what's really going on, saw themselves naked. They sewed fig leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves And when they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden, hid from God. Why? Why did they hide from God? God whom they had walked with in the cool of the evening every day of their existence. And we don't have a clue how many years that might have been it could have been centuries millennium we have no clue how long they lived in the garden before they fell adam answers the question and his reply is not only heartbreaking but also devastating for humanity Genesis 3.10, the man answered, I was naked, and when I heard you walking through the garden, I was frightened and hid. I was frightened of the God who created me, of the Father who loved me. I heard you, and I was frightened. Adam found himself in such a condition that he believed that God would find him unacceptable. And the fear was so intense that it caused Adam to miss one of the most profound moments in all of human history. Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was. He knew what condition he was in. Fallen, broken, overwhelmed with shame unable to cover up enough to feel acceptable enough to seek God. So God, in loving response to man's condition, calls out to him, Where are you? And with that question, God reveals to us that he is there, seeking us, calling out to us even now. Listen to Revelation 3.20. Jesus is speaking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. You in there? Where are you? Open up. Let me in. John fifteen sixteen, the first part of the verse, Jesus also states this. You did not choose me. I chose you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, before history was recorded on a page, Your name was already written in heaven. He's still knocking. He's still crying out. Where are you? Where are you? And he is ready ready and willing to do for us what we cannot sufficiently do for ourselves. Genesis 321, this is in the... uh, common English version then the Lord God made clothes out of animal skins for the man and his wife what did it take for God to make clothes out of animal skins Mm. why did he make clothes to cover their shame anyone deal with shame I think it's interesting that it was shame was the first thing that God covered. I think it goes so deep into our psyche, and becomes so destructive to our lives, that God wanted to deal with that as early on as possible. It took the innocent life of an animal a sacrifice and the shedding of blood, and only God could establish this truth. Hebrews 9.22, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Aren't you glad we're out of that system? Hmm? And he has done for us... We. What we could not do for ourselves by giving his own innocent son as an offering, as an offering to cover our shame and sin. Revelation 1.5, may kindness and peace be yours from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Jesus was the first to conquer death, and he is the ruler of all earthly kings. Christ loves us, and by his blood, by his blood, he set us free from our sins, the innocent for the guilty, the righteous for the unrighteous, the loved one for the unlovable's. 1 John 1, 7 says this, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from, oh, that's a good word, isn't it? is not it? that a good word? Do you have any all today? Hmm? I think it's interesting they named a detergent after that, right? Yeah, yeah. A cleaning agent, all, all sin. So who exactly is God looking for? If, as I shared last week, Jesus is the express image of the Father, then those that he sought out is who the Father is seeking still. If you want to know what God is like, read the Gospels, see what Jesus is like. He's the direct, precise image of the Father. He only does what he sees the father doing. He only speaks what he hears the father speaking. If you want to know what dad's like, watch his son. So who did Jesus hang with? I love these scriptures. Luke 15, 1. And all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him in order to hear him. All the shame filled. We're attracted to him. This one's really cool, out, out of the Message Bible, Mark 2.15. Later, Jesus and his disciples were at home having supper. Okay, so here's the scene. Hey, guys, we need a couple of days off. We've been roaming around, ministering, you know, walking around the lake and these donkey trails all over the countryside. It's hard travel on foot over there, especially in sandals. And so Jesus says, you know, time for some downtime. So they go back home, which I'm assuming is Peter's house, right, in Kapanom, and they're having supper. So this isn't Jesus going out and bumping into people and ministering to them in their context. He's in his context now. Jesus and his disciples were at home having supper with a collection of disreputable guests. Huh? So not only did he go out to them, but he invited them in to him. Listen, guys, I'm going to be home for supper tonight. When you swing by, actually, Frank's making the soup. Excellent, it's excellent, come on by. Hmm? Unlikely as it seems, more than a few of them had become followers. The religion scholars and Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company and lit into his disciples. What kind of example is this? Acting cozy with the riffraff. Jesus, overhearing, shot back, Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting the sin-sick, not the spiritually fit. Wow. The sin-sick, the shame-filled, the burden-heavied. I'm here inviting them in. And it's not just his followers, it's his leadership also. Acts 4.13. But seeing the boldness of Peter and John, this is the Pharisees, seeing the boldness of Peter and John, and perceiving that they were unlearned and uneducated men, marveled. And they recognized them that they had been with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.26 says this about us. This is that uh, again, uh, the Message Bible. Take a good look, friends. Go ahead, look around. Look around the room. Take a good look around the room. <laughs> we are a motley crew. <laughs> huh? Yeah, and it's scriptural. We're supposed to be a motley crew. <laughs> Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. (laughs) Uh, Not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? God is after us. He's hard after our hearts. So who is this awesome, holy, powerful God looking for? Matthew eleven, twenty eight again from the message. Are you tired? Worn out? Burdened out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Ooh. Isn't that a nice line? Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Hmm. This awesome, holy, powerful, creatively seeking God is looking for you. And when he finds you finding him, because that's what it always looks like. Oh, I found God. No, he just found you finding him. He's going to enliven his word in you so that you can navigate the tension of the now and the not yet. So that your life and his abundant life can become enmeshed to the point that what you do is what he is doing. What he says is what you are singing. And heaven and earth meet together once more in the temple that is your life. Revelation 22:17 and I'll close with this the spirit and the bride say come everyone who hears this should say come if you're thirsty come if you want life-giving water come and take it it's free it's free let's pray so I'm going to say that I'm going to say come Holy Spirit, won't you come? Because I know in this room there's some with heavy burdens. There's some carrying bundles of shame and questions of identity and worth and value. The very ones that you seek out, the Zacchaeuses of the the land who see themselves as so small and insignificant, and yet you come along, and I must come and eat in your home today. I must come, be part of your life today. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and let your presence be known in those places of burden where the religious would question you, what are you doing in there? What are you doing with them? Come and do what you do in there, oh God. Come and do it with those that you do it with. The least of these, your brethren, your brothers and your sisters, those who in the beginning were created in your image and received the breath of life, your Holy Spirit, and became living souls who still bear the mark of your image upon their lives, oh God. Would you cover them with that rhythm of grace that is your love? Would you come and heal us, lift the burdens, O God, release us from the cares of the day and the cares of life? Let us find the rest that you promise in your presence. Come, Holy Spirit. Do as only you can do. The bride says, come. without being specific as to the nature of your need. If today you're carrying a burden, whether it be emotional or physical, spiritual or psychological, if you have a need today, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up. Keep that hand up. Okay. Now the rest of you, open your...